0: What does God say to a people who see no future before them? People who realize that they have only darkness before them, that no matter what they might try, it, it can't be avoided. What does God say to a people who've been let down by their political leaders, their religious leaders, people that they trusted to lead them? What does God say to people, in short, who have no hope? That's the situation that we saw in Isaiah chapter 40. There, God spoke to a people who who faced an utter disaster before them. Disaster that they cannot avoid. People who have been let down by their kings, by their priests. This is the promise that God gave them. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is a glorious promise, but it is just that, a promise. Unless God fills in the blanks and elaborates how exactly He is going to renew the strength of people who have no hope, who see only darkness before them. And that's exactly what Isaiah chapter 41 was about. Isaiah chapter 41, the chapter we looked at last week, it answered how God brings strength to the weary and hope to the hopeless by telling us of God's absolute lordship over history and over all powers. Everything that happens, even what baffles us, it is God moving forward his gracious plot in order to bless his people. So in chapter 1, we saw the majesty of God. He has absolute control, mastery, and lordship over the affairs of history, big and small. And because of that, the weary people, hopeless people can rest, knowing that history is not random. Things are not just happening to us. But even though we cannot understand for the moment, God is carrying out His good purposes. And now that continues in this chapter, in chapter 42. And this is where we learned: that God, He strengthens the weary. He brings hope to the hopeless through a person. And that person is the servant of the Lord. And that is what we see here, that God strengthens the weary brings hope to the hopeless through a person, one person, the servant of the Lord. And so this chapter, chapter 42, it says, Behold my servant. And that is the first thing we uh, notice this morning. Behold my servant. Now, uh, I realize it's a little bit hard to keep track of Uh, But let me explain to you what is happening here. In chapter 42, this chapter, verse 1, it says, Behold my servant. And that word, behold, we often see it in the Old Testament. Uh, But in this case, it's a different word, different Hebrew word than is typically used in other parts of the Old Testament. And this word, this Hebrew word, hain, it actually appeared twice in the last chapter. And this word, behold, appeared twice in chapter 41 in connection with idols who are useless because they are powerless and cannot do anything. So for example, chapter 41, verse 24, Behold, same word. Behold, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing. Nothing. And then again in chapter 41, verse 29, Behold, they are all a delusion and their works are nothing. you remember how God taunted the idols in the last chapter? Do something. Do anything. Let me be either impressed or let me be scared. Do something. But the idols cannot do anything. They are useless because they are powerless. And what we saw in the last chapter was that fearful people, Turn to their idols for peace and for strength. But it is a fool's errand because idols have no power to help. And so in chapter 42, our passage for today, in verse 1, when we read, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, that statement is meant to stand in a stark contrast to what God has said before. Behold, look, the idols useless, nothing. Again, behold, idols, all a delusion. Now, chapter 42, verse 1. Behold, look at my servant, whom I uphold. And that is to say, God's strength for the weary comes through this one person, this servant, and he is able and he is resourceful Because God has poured himself into this person and into this servant. And here God calls the servant, My chosen in whom all my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. God has put his spirit upon him. That spirit who, when there was nothing, created the world out of nothing. That spirit, when there was only chaos, overruled the chaos and darkness and created order and beauty. That spirit, God has put upon this servant. And it is by that spirit, He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now, the Hebrew word used for justice here, it actually has a broader meaning than what we typically understand by the word justice. When we hear the word justice, we typically think of matters related to law, maybe what happens in the courtroom. And the word certainly includes that, but that Hebrew word actually has a wider meaning. It means judgment, as in what God sees to be correct, beautiful, right, and proper. And so what this passage is uh, is telling us is that by the Spirit that has been put on this servant, this servant will bring forth justice to the nations. This servant will set right all that is wrong and twisted so that everything that is bent and out of shape will at last conform to what God understands to be right, proper, beautiful, and appropriate. That's how much power this servant has. To to untwist everything that's been twisted. To fix everything that's been broken. To put right everything that is wrong. But not how the servant wields that amazing power that's given to him. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Uh, Old Testament commentator Alec Matir he summarizes it like this, and I think really well. He summarizes the statement as he is not out to dominate or shout others down, he is not out to advertise himself, and he is not dismissive of others. And I think he got it exactly right. This servant, he has unimaginable power. And yet he is meek. He is gentle. He doesn't shout people down. He doesn't dismiss people. What do we read here? How does he deal with a bruised reed? What's a bruised reed? A bruised reed is a broken reed. Uh, something that has been hurt, something that has lost its potential. And how does he deal with a faintly burning wick? A faintly burning wick is a, a candle that's about to go out because the fuel has run dry. It's past its prime. It's near death. But the servant, he does not dismiss them. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick He will not quench. Rather, the servant himself takes and he shares their situation and their plight. He will not grow faint. It's the same word we just read in faintly burning wick, or be discouraged. It's unfortunate that it's translated with a different word, but the word discouraged is the same word we just saw in bruised reed. What that is uh, uh, indicating or communicating to us is that this servant will himself experience everything that breaks and discourages us. And yet he will share all our misery and he will triumph over them. Behold, my servant. God's strength for the weary and his hope for the hopeless come through this servant. Secondly, What we learn about this servant is that he is a faithful servant. Now, if you remember in chapter 41, from last week, verse 8, we saw how God addressed the nation of Israel, and he said, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham. And so in chapter 41, as you well know, Uh, also throughout the Old Testament the corporate nation of Israel the nation as whole was God's servant. Now something interesting happens in chapter 42 because in chapter 42 all of God's love for the nation of Israel and all of our calling, all of our responsibility, and all the honor that was meant for the nation of Israel, they all flow into one person. And that person is the servant of the Lord. And this servant, he is what the nation of Israel should have been but failed to be. So this servant of the Lord stands in the place of the nation of Israel to fulfill in her place all of her responsibilities, all of her calling, all of her duties. And he is faithful. You see, God called the nation of Israel to bless the whole world through her. And if you remember, that was God's promise to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. God said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, that was God's covenant promise to Abraham. When he made a a covenant with Abraham, God did not simply say, I'm going to bless you and your descendants only. But rather God said, in you and through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's plan was never to simply single out Abraham's descendants and just bless them. God's plan was to use the uh, the descendants of Abraham to bring light to the Gentiles that the people throughout the world might see who God is and be drawn to God. But sadly, Israel made a terrible mistake. They confused being chosen with being choice. They were God's chosen people, but they began to think of themselves as God's choice people. And they began to look down on the uh, Gentiles dismissively. And they were content to have a relationship with the covenant Lord, and they were content to see the Gentiles perish. But here you see that the servant of the Lord is actually what Israel should have been. And he becomes hope for the whole world. So chapter 42, verse 4, He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And again, in verse 6, God says to the servant, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. So this servant is faithful where Israel as a nation was faithless. And of course, that begs the obvious question, who is this servant of the Lord? Who is this servant of the Lord of whom God says, In whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him? Who is this servant? Well, you all know the answer, don't you? You remember in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, how John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and coming to rest on Jesus. And there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So who is this servant of whom God says, I have put my spirit upon him and in whom my soul delights? It's Jesus upon whom the Spirit of God came and of whom God said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And who is this servant? Than one who does not break a bruised reed and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Again, in Matthew chapter 12, this is what Matthew said of Jesus after he witnessed Jesus healing a man with the withered hand on the Sabbath day. You know, Jesus invited ridicule and opposition in that very act. He opened himself up to criticism and attack because he he healed a man with the withered hand on the Sabbath day. But rather than dismissing him because it would bring upon him inconvenience and attack, he rather took that upon himself. And he healed that man. And seeing that, Matthew says in chapter 12, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Jesus saw a man who was broken, helpless, and he loved them. You see, it is Jesus. Jesus is the servant of of the Lord. He is the faithful one who faced our misery and who overcame them. Jesus is the one who stands in the place of many to offer up to God the devotion and the service that they owed. And Jesus is how God gives strength to the weary. And Jesus is how God gives hope to the hopeless people. And so that brings us to the third and the last point, the all-sufficient Jesus. The all-sufficient Jesus. Jesus is how God gives strength to the weary. But it makes you wonder, doesn't it? How can one person do so much? How can one person do so much? There are untold number of people throughout the world and throughout history who face, each and every one of them, unique challenges. How can one person help them all? How can there be enough Jesus for all of us? Now, of course, if Jesus were a mere man, Uh, we would be right to question him. And if Jesus had only human resources at his disposal, we would be right to dismiss his unbelievable claims. But notice chapter 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, God says. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. What's God saying? My glory I give to no other. My glory I give to my servant, but no other. My glory I do not give to any idols, but to my servant. The glory of the divine God. The glory that he shares with no created being. The glory that no one is entitled to but the eternal God. The glory that he does not share with man or idols, God says, I give to my servant and no other. Now, what does that tell us? This servant, Jesus, he receives the glory that only God himself is entitled to and only God himself can handle because Jesus is here glorified as one who outclasses and outmatches the useless idols. And whatever solution, whatever schemes that we might come up with, Jesus outclasses them and Jesus outmatches them. And he is able to do what no man or no idol can accomplish. Why? Why does he receive this glory due only God? Because the servant is no mere man, both himself God, who is worthy of receiving God's glory. And that is why, that is why there is enough Jesus for all of us. Yes, there have been innumerable people throughout the world today and throughout history. And each and every one of us, we have a unique set of challenges. But there is enough Jesus for all of us. Because he is the infinite and great God. And he has infinite resources at his disposal. God has put his own spirit upon him in an incomparably rich and abundant way. This past year has been a very humbling year for mankind, or I, at least I hope that's the lesson that mankind is learning. One little virus, the whole economy of the world shut down. One little virus, they can still get up to speed, and so a production of everything is backlogged. That's man's resources. Jesus, He has infinite resources because God has put His Spirit, the Spirit who created the heavens and the earth, the Spirit who brought order and light and beauty out of darkness and chaos, the Spirit who raised the dead, that spirit is upon Jesus. And more importantly, That spirit is the comforter. And Jesus has the mind and the manner of the comforter because that's the spirit that resides in Jesus. That is why we read, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. I think that's one of my most favorite verses in in the entire Bible. That Jesus has the mind and the manner of the comforter. Jesus counts every hurt, every broken, and every faltering soul precious. That's what those words mean, a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. The world throws away the broken and the useless. Not so with Jesus. He treasures them. He mends them. He loves them. And one day, he will set right everything that is twisted, and everything that is wrong. And here is the promise, He will faithfully bring forth justice by His power. One day, everything that is twisted and wrong about you and me and about the world, everything that's bent out of shape, everything that's inappropriate, everything that should not be, one day by the power of Jesus Christ who counts every broken, every hurt, every hopeless soul precious to Him, by that power everything will be set right. And that is why God's strength for the weary and His hope for the hopeless come through a person the servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, who is our strength. And so, loved ones, maybe you too also feel like a broken reed, hurt, broken inside. And people look at you, maybe you look at yourself, you no longer see any potential or a future. Maybe you too feel like that faintly burning wick. Maybe your best days seem to be behind you. You have outlived, perhaps, you feel your usefulness and you are close to extinction and death. Would you remember that you are precious to Jesus? He cares for you. He loves you. And He will be your strength. So turn to him and wait for him. And those who wait for Jesus shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have the mind and the spirit of the Comforter. Though we are weak, though we are perhaps useless, you love us, you care for us, and you will mend, set right, and restore all that is wrong. O Lord Jesus, we look to you with hope and with faith. Be our strength today. Our trials are many, and they are always with us. Help us to remember that you are always with us, that we may find hope and joy in our lives. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.